0: Doa, it's Duan Dandridge, and we are back with another episode of Speak For Yourself. And we have, of course, the one, the only, Mr. Ken Elkins. What's happening? Representing Saginaw. And, as always, a dynamic guest uh, coming to you live, a black leader doing amazing work in the city of Detroit. And going but we, the way that we like to start our first of all, thank you for joining us. Thank you for representing and bringing edges for the whole team. Yes, got it <laughs> got it so, while we're a little bit deficient <laughs> in that department, uh, we try. Yes. You know what I mean? Um, we like to allow our, our guests to always introduce themselves, making sure that um, you're communicating to our listeners and our viewers um, how you want them to
1: know you. Um, first of all, what up, doll? What up, doll? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm I'm Tiffany Brown. I am the founder and executive director of Development Despite Distance. Um, we support young men in Detroit that have incarcerated parents. But um, beyond that role, as you know, just having the honor of leading that amazing organization, um, I'm a mom. Um, I'm a daughter. I am. A Detroit West Side player. Um, yeah, said. I'm a Mumford graduate, a Clark Atlanta University graduate, a Wayne State University graduate. I'm a licensed counselor, um, a servant leader. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I care deeply about my community and my lived experience of having my mom incarcerated when I was a teen growing up here in Detroit is why I do this work. So. Yeah. yeah. A
0: whole person, right? A whole it's person. Like I think sometimes in like service work, like people know us for what we do. Right, but to yep. hear you say daughter, mother, counselor, yep. I mean West Side player.
1: Hey. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like like
0: sometimes I I don't think we, we always get a chance to be a whole person all the time because of the passion and the calling that we have. So mm. so thanks for reminding us of that.
1: Thank you. Yeah. I've been intentional about that lately. Um having do this work, being being in this work for almost ten years, um, and giving your all, and coming from a lived experience in a different yeah. kind of place, not doing it for money, really doing it because you really truly care about yes. kids and the betterment of your community. Um, it's hard, it's taxing work. It so is. I know that taking care of yourself is at the core of how you sustain, right? Mm-hmm. Like how you sustain your organization, but really how you sustain yourself. You have to take care of yourself before you can take care of anything else. And I think sometimes we learn that the hard way. Yes. And um, I have been just thinking about all my mentors and just listening to people. Who unfortunately had experienced, like, health challenges or loss of marriages and just different real big challenges, Um, I wanted to make sure that I was, like, more recently over the last, like, year or two really centering myself, how I take care of myself and prioritizing myself um, just as much as I take care of so many other things. Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. Why why do we struggle with that, right? Like, why do we struggle with that, like, when we are in this space, (laughs) right? Um, Yeah. I know that, yeah. like, as you described yourself, oftentimes we're practitioners, right? So, like, we right. have overcome something or, or mm-hmm. survived something. We're like, hey, let me teach people these tools that I wish I had or wish I had known, yeah. right, when I was in their situation. Let me go and make, be that for somebody. Why do we struggle with, like, like everything from, like, being okay with being compensated properly mm. Right, to like caring for ourselves, our family, right? Like Mm. I know that my family has given me all kind of grace for being like in the mission field more than I am at the crib at times. Right.
1: Probably, first of all, I'm sure we can all answer this question, but I think maybe it's because we do it from the place of like doing our, our own healing. Like, I know mm. I've been healing through this, mm. right? Like, mm, I didn't yeah. never know I wanted to start an organization for kids that had incarcerated parents, but I knew that I needed to be in a community giving back because a lot of caring adults gave back to me when I was going through stuff as a young person. So I think maybe because of what we've gone through, it's hard for us to take care of ourselves. That trauma, right? I know I struggle a lot still and am in therapy and have other forms of taking care of myself just because of all the feelings of like abandonment and not worthiness and Mm -hmm. disappointment that you experienced growing up as a child of like, you know, having some of these adverse childhood experiences. And yeah, that's probably why, because we're healing ourselves in the midst of doing the work, you know, and you have to be real intentional about it, knowing that you matter. We're all a part of the community. Um, I think also maybe the landscape doesn't – because it's hard to get some money to pay yourself. Uh, <laughs> the landscape doesn't really – it's not affirming to that, like, you should take care of yourself. You know, right. I think it's, it's its its a struggle from a lot of different perspectives, right? The yeah. money not there, and we're just such givers and helpers, and we – you know, you come into it from almost that opposite standpoint that sometimes um, – yeah, I think that's that's probably the big one of the
2: biggest yeah. things. You got any thoughts on that? Keith? I think a lot of it is with what Tiffany said. Adding to that is we find value. Mm-hmm. Our mm-hmm. value is linked to what we do. Yeah. Like when she said earlier, you know, you're struggling with some of the traumas you may have experienced, some of the insecurities you may have, some of the, am I worth it? Right. Mm-hmm. But in this thing that you're doing, the saving others. You get so much value out of that, yeah. right? This, this saying to you, you are worth it. Mm-hmm. The saying to you, there is someone who needs you. There yeah. are some people who need you. So it's part, selfishly, part of that
1: Oh Ooh, healing. yeah, and like no. you're not the narrative, right? Like I'm not the narrative of what they said that kids of incarcerated right. parents would be, right? Like proving mm-hmm. it almost like having to yeah. work double hard to like prove that, to dispel those yeah. narratives. It is true.
2: Yeah. I remember when I saved a young dude named Martez. I saved his life. You know what I mean? He was on his way. On his way out. On his way out. You mm-hmm. feel me? But I saved him. You
0: mm-hmm. know what I mean?
2: And that, having that value, you know, really we, helped we, me We out. wouldn't
0: have this podcast today. We, we wouldn't have <laughs> it. not get on my nerves. We we I'm like, not, not, for, not for your sacrifice. <laughs> no
1: had it work. not been <laughs> for your leadership. <laughs> it had not
0: been for my your leadership.
2: my mentorship. The world would have never life. known <laughs> cardiac failure. <feelings. laughs> Where would it be at today? I do have a question. So you talk so uh, again, developing despite distance connects incarcerated parents, um, with the kids. Why is that important? I'm sure some people yeah. are out there asking, like, why is why is that important? Why should we care about that?
1: I think it's so it's so much data to support how important a parent child relationship is, period. So just we understand that from birth the parent child relationship is just core to how a young person just develops overall. Um Aside from that, though, just having that physical distance, I think um, it can be done, you know, and it should be done. Um, it matters because they are still here on this earth, right? That matters because they want to be a part of their young person's life. Now, first of all, I'll be very clear, like, every family that we support and every young man that we support doesn't come straight into the program wanting to have a relationship with their incarcerated parent, um, I would say that more likely than not, they do want that relationship, but there have been a couple occasions over the years where it's a very sensitive situation where whether it's legally they can't have a right um, or they just are not at that point where emotionally and they just want to be even having that relationship. So we support them through other avenues of our direct and too. Gotcha. But our Parent Connection Program is the one that um, helps us provide financial support for our young men to visit their incarcerated parents. Um, we've had... Like, right now, we have a family whose father is incarcerated about eight hours away. And mom is—actually, she drives transportation for a living, so that's her job. So she is OG, and she putting a car on the road, driving eight hours, going to visit, and then coming back the same day is typically how they would do. Mm. And to me, that's just real dangerous. And if we could figure out a way to, like— just minimize a little bit of stress. So what we do tearing is... Tearing the car up. It's tearing the car up. So yes. that, let's talk about that because we do, you know, want to have goals of having um, more coordinated transportation where we can not even have the, the mom or the caregiver have to drive. Uh, we're working on that. Um, but we can pay now for, like, hotel fees for them to that's stay overnight. Right. We pay for all the gas. We pay for um, all their food as long as they, you know, they hang on to the receipts. We re- reimburse them for every meal along the okay. way. And they end up going again the next day before they come back. Right. You know, so it's like right. a double visit, too. Yes. Yeah.
2: And now, how do you how did your programming ensure that there's that these are healthy relationships? So what I mean by that, I'm not saying because they're incarcerated, it won't be a healthy relationship. Yeah. What I'm saying is parenting is hard.
1: It is. Parenting
2: it? is very, very Ooh. hard. Yeah. And that's for people who are parenting 24-7. Yeah. Right. So then now. Someone who has other traumas, and
0: distance, right? and, distance yeah, and yeah.
2: all this other things going on. I've never been incarcerated for an extended amount of time, so I can't necessarily speak to how much is going on. But, God, for of good lawyers, <laughs> good job, great job. <laughs> but, how, how do you ensure that they are, is that indeed healthy relationships that they're meeting the right? People? Yeah. yeah,
1: um, well, one of our like a part of our culture and our approach has always been um, depth over breadth. Like we want to go really deep with our families. Um, fortunately and fortunately we can support our families for a number of years because if they're incarcerated. Like I had a young man who started with us in sixth grade. He just graduated from Mumford in June. Okay. Um, so he was with us consistently for six years straight. Um, his car, carcer- his father won't be home until 2026. So we go really deep with the families. Um, we communicate very consistently and often with the caregivers. So we're like knowing kind of some of the dynamics of the f- relationship. Some of Most of our relationships are healthy. I think there's a misconception that people think that there's like some tension between two, the two parents or yeah. if they're not together. And But most of our, I mean, I, I'll be honest, our caregivers are the reason why our program thrives, because they keep us connected to the young men. They keep them coming up to the programs on Saturdays. They're the ones that are really the bridge between the incarcerated Parent, but they invite us in to that relationship and we're able to write letters to the incarcerated parent. We haven't okay. gotten to like having telephone calls or any, any of that, but we do write letters consistently to the incarcerated parents um, and they write back. Okay. And we read the letters that we write in program too. They understand that we're going to be reading the letters. When I say that the relationships are so beautiful, like it's 100% of our young men that we're servicing, unfortunately, right now I have incarcerated dads. That hasn't always been the case, but that is it right now. Um, and the way that our young men are opening up and the things that the incarcerated fathers are like writing back and sharing. And we, we send a lot of like guided questions because they, between the ages of 13 and 18, they're not going to want to sit down and just write something so profound. But if we ask a really deep, a meaningful, guided question, something that's connected to what we're doing, right, what's a SMART goal? And then what's one that I'm working on? I'll share that with you, Dad. And then you talk to me about a smart goal that you're working okay. on. So just some of them, those back and forth, like, connections from what we're talking about in program, translating into the letters and the conversations on the phone. And I think that's how we know that it's meaningful, right? Like,
0: Can you talk a little bit about, like, that's that's like amazing and important, and I'm sure that it has all kinds of, like, organic benefits probably yeah. that Measuring some and probably not measuring yeah. others, right? But um, when you think about, uh, and I don't know the statistics. I'm assuming you may, uh, but the, I guess the likelihood of a young man growing up whose father's incarcerated with him having some type of interaction with the legal system yeah. at some point. Um, if have you done any like studies on like what the the, the normal. Um, or the expected expected levels are or um, percentages are versus the young men that are coming through your program? Yeah,
1: I don't have that data like at the top of my head. Mm-hmm. And um, what I want to say is I know that there are other beautiful organizations in our city doing this work, and I would love to connect with them and be able to grow my knowledge around the, those statistics. So please reach out to me. Um, if you're watching this right now, you're like, hey, yes. Uh, I think for me... There is what I do know is that the data says there's a misconception between like that there's a like like there's a correlation right a mm-hmm. di- direct link between you having an incarcerated parent and you ending up being incarcerated, but there are lots of statistics to talk about all the other negative outcomes right like your likelihood not to complete high school or um just to have other mental health challenges or just uh, barriers to success mm-hmm. so um I think I also want to lift up the fact that I don't focus a lot on the, on those um, data points because I really want to approach it from an aspirational asset based lens. Right. Um, shout out to be me. I'm a be me fellow. Uh, I really don't want to think often about even the deficits. Right. That we experience. I can like I, I say this sometimes when I'm talking publicly and I was on a panel back in November at Berkeley Law. And I was just like, close your eyes and think about what the challenges could be if you had a parent that was incarcerated for 10 or 15 years, right? Or even three, like how you know mine was. Um, so I don't know. I think we know that story, right, and what the challenges are. Yes, absolutely, there's a likeliness that they will have a lot of challenges by not having one parent that's in the household um, experiencing financial challenges because that, that burden is on one parent. Um, and I just want to lift up, too, that I think we just as a community need to be doing a better job of just acknowledging that they exist. So one statistic that I will name is like how many children right now have an incarcerated parent. A couple years ago, there was a number 2.7 was the number that they were 7, 2.7 million. Um, and that's more children that have incarcerated parents than we have incarcerated in our country. And we know that we incarcerated more people in this country than any country in the world, right? So two. I think it's... Like 2.2, 2.3 million adults are incarcerated. There are 2.7 million kids that were connected to it a few years ago. Now they're saying the number is close to 5 million. Mm. So when I was talking about even a 2.7 number, because I haven't done this new math, um, I wanted people to imagine like a classroom. So just think about one classroom with 30 kids in it. And now magnify that by 90,000 classrooms.
0: All of them. That was 2.7. Now times that
1: by how many, over 100,000, over 150,000 classrooms, right, we could fill right now today with minor children that have incarcerated parents. Mm -hmm. So um, we exist, and spaces like Developing Despite Distance matter a lot. You know, organizations like mine, organizations like Pure Heart, who are creating these safe spaces based on our lived experience um, and really doing a lot to help young people graduate from high school, think about what they're doing post-high school, and to have all the coping strategies and the supportive community while they're doing it along the way, so.
2: Love it, love it. And then what about um, in regards to, you say you have Saturday programming, correct? Is that every Saturday?
1: Just about, yeah. So what's involved in the
2: Saturday programming? Winter
1: winter and spring break and those breaks. um, Our Saturday program runs in the community space. Right now we're at Durfee Innovation Society. Um, shout out to those beautiful partners. Uh, we have in the past been at Northwest Activity Center, at local Detroit Public Libraries, but um, right now that's where we run about three hours on Saturdays from so 10 to 1 or 10 to 2. Um, and it's really rooted in a couple things, um, providing mental health support, helping young people identify and develop new coping strategies, uh, build a community of caring adults and caring peers. Uh, we. Mix in a little bit of workforce development and exposure because it always matters to be helping young people think about what they're going to be doing um, in the future and helping them, you know, strive for those goals. Um, Yeah, that's, we've gotten, you know, like every summer we get them summer jobs and make sure that they all have connections to summer employment. Um, But I think one of the biggest things really is the community. If you look at all of our surveys, any time that we ask how do you benefit most from the organization? What do you, you know, get most out of it? It's the the peer to peer connections and the ca- connections with the caring adults. Mm-hmm. Just having right. a space to be. They even say like, please stop scheduling program. Like, let us just come hang out. Like, yeah. we just want to be a drop in. We just want to yeah. come play the game. Like, right we just right. want it. So that's what we're building for. Just come, towards. Jumps,
0: come connect with other folks, right? Though. Yeah, they it's just want to connect. They yeah, can see them, understand them, and, and, and yeah, and
1: even really cool situations. Like minded
2: people. We're all. In this community together. All in this community together. Don't have to be embarrassed. Because both our parents
1: are Yeah, that stigma that comes with it too. And like we have young men that's like, Oh, I I saw I saw and I'll just use different names. I saw Andre in the hallway today. I didn't even know he had transferred over there. You know, they dapping each other up like I see him in the hallway, bro. Like, yeah, we go to school together now. And then Jordan is like, Hold on, I'm gonna be going over there too soon, you know? So like just knowing that you have a community in different places even in the city um, I think another unique story that we have is that uh, we have brothers from two different moms, but the same father, mm. like the same incarcerated mm-hmm. father. Oh, wow. Right. And so he has two sons with one mom, four sons with the other mom, a set of twins. Oh, wow. And the one mom with the four sons originally enrolled in the program was a connection through uh, the Goal Line program at Northwest Activity Center. She came in. The, the, her boys were in the program for a year or two. And then she made the connection to invite the other Love mom God. in. Okay. Yeah. Nice. And so they get to hang out with each other every Saturday. Nice. It's like, yes. it's nice. really a beautiful thing, the community, right? Yeah. Love yeah.
0: it. Love it. You have an event coming up soon. We do. Okay.
1: We do. We do. Um. So we have a fundraiser and we're fundraising for our Parent Connection Program that's going to help our young men stay connected to their incarcerated fathers. It's going to be at Soul on Ice, which is on Liver Noise in Detroit um, on March 28th. Okay. What time?
2: Yeah. Okay.
1: 6 p.m. Okay. Um, and ticket sales will go on sale later this week.
2: Where? Where do we get tickets from? Where do they get tickets from?
1: Yeah, so the link will be available on our website. It'll be an Eventbrite. Um, also, if you're not able to come, we're always taking donations. We're always taking donations. What's your website? Um, DevelopingDespiteDistance.org.
2: You got a new one.
1: DevelopingDespiteDistance.org. You have a new or one. Or 3DDetroit.org. Or 3DDetroit.org. <laughs>
2: Thank you, Lord Chair. <laughs>
1: Yes, he yes. was like, listen, people don't know how to spell developing, or despite, or distance. So,
2: we need to shorten
0: this up. Let's shorten this in. up. and um, So yeah, we
1: have 3DDetroit.org, and if you go there, it'll take you to.
0: Good, good, good. Yes. So, if, so if, if people want to support the work, they can yeah. go to 3DDetroit.org. .org, yep. Yep. And they
1: can um, find us there, they can email me, um, find us on Instagram, in our DMs. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. Nice, nice, nice. Got any more questions?
2: Uh, that's it. That's all I got. I mean, well, actually, just one more question. Because I know you just mentioned you hired a, a or you signed on a phenomenal board chair just recently. So congratulations for that. <laughs> Thank you. But just us. if you could leave us with well, what's your goal? What's the big goal for 2024 Ooh. that uh, 3D would love to accomplish for the young people? Not necessarily as an organization, yeah. but just for the young men.
1: Ooh, we have five seniors this year in our Saturday program cohort, okay. five out of 10. So half of our cohort are seniors. Okay. Um, they're all at different levels of like com- graduation completion, what they're going to do post high school. And my, our goal is to see all of them across the stage in okay. June. So as long as 100 percent of our seniors graduate this year, we good.
0: Sweet. Nice. Yep. Nice, nice. I do
1: want to lift up one a success. So, um, that young man that I talked about, sixth grade, he was the very first young man we ever recruited in our oh. program um, out of Schultz Academy at the time. He graduated from Mumford in June. In November, um, graduated from Military Operational Specialty School in the Marines. Oh, nice. And is now a private first class in Missouri. Um, nice. Yeah, that's what's up. he just texts me Saturday too. That's after I, I was just talking about him on Thursday, Saturday he texts me, "Hey, Miss Brown, it's your first kid. He know he the first kid. Right? Yes. <laughs> the first. Yeah. You gotta shine. You the first. Come on, now." Like, and yeah, that's dude. the
2: one who dad gets out in twenty six. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Nice. His
1: brother is a senior now too at a at a DPS, so he's part of that five. He so graduates. His younger brother is a part, and he that will is. absolutely graduate. His brother star too. They mama. Real queen um, nice and i 'm just honored to be able to do this work. so, if I had anything to say on in the close, it 's just truly honored that um, i 've been able to turn something real heavy in my lived experience um, into real purpose and yeah. passion That's good yeah that's
0: good yeah I, we i 'd love to have you back on Please. because we't I even mean, ask you to to share whatever you 're comfortable with sharing about your own experience so i 'd love to kind of like. You know, allow our listeners to get a peek into like what's behind this warrior that's out here doing this work. Uh,
1: thank you. Um, I'll be honored. I'll come right back to it. All you. right.
0: Sounds good. Yeah. Sounds
1: good. Thanks, y'all. All
0: right. Well, that's this episode of Speak for Yourself. Um, be sure to go to 3D.org um, and purchase a ticket. 3D
1: Detroit.
0: 3D, or. I'm sorry. Be sure to go to 3DDetroit.org and purchase yeah. a ticket. Peace. Peace.
2: This is your main camera, but you don't have to talk into the camera. Just keep it conversational, just talking to us. But if you have something that you intentionally want to say to the folks, then you look in that camera.
1: I knew this side that was going to be my side. That's why did my edges on that side.